0: Hi everyone, welcome back to The Little Green Pasture. I pray everybody is doing well today and that you're here with the ears of the learned to hear these words through an imperfect vessel like me. But I'll tell you, it makes it so perfect that I am imperfect, that the Lord would be revealed in this humble little earthen vessel to other earthen vessels. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to begin and I pray the Lord lead me because i felt like I was met with so much resistance in this message, actually a lot of resistance. So here I go. Father in heaven, I thank you so much. I thank you for Jesus Christ, your son. And I speak to you, Lord Jesus, and I ask you to be with me, to be with my mouth and to be with my heart, to be within me, leading me, letting your living waters flow forth from me in this very thing I want to speak about today. Lord, be my guide and Lord, I pray that your presence will be felt in your dwelling amongst us, in your own word, the living word. Thank you, Lord. I give myself to you. And I pray it be a sweet offering unto you. In Jesus' name. No, honestly, you have no idea what resistance I've been having with this. Praise the Lord. The Lord that we serve is in control. Well, I want to talk about that word in First Peter 3, 1 through 4. And it's about wives having unbelieving husbands. But before I get started, I want to preface it by saying this. That word has really been a part of that building structure of my life because his word builds us up. We are a house of God. It says that in the word. That we're the building of the Lord, and so Jesus Christ is our foundation. And as Paul says in First Corinthians chapter three, it says, "And each man should be careful how he builds upon that foundation." And it says in Proverbs twenty-four, it says, "By wisdom is a house builded, and by knowledge, um, it, it so it talks about uh, wisdom is how is a house builded by knowledge, it is." It talks about the building up of it and, and well, I won't go into it, but there's these three elements of building our house and we receive that wisdom and the knowledge and by understanding, that's what it says. The house is filled with all pleasant and precious riches and see, you're the house of God. I'm a house of God. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. In our hearts by faith and we are we should be very careful how we're building our house so it has a direct implication with this word and I'm just gonna read verse 1 of 1st Peter 3 1 through 4 likewise you wives be in subjection to your own husbands that if any obey not the word they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives so what really stands out to me is that they may be won by the conversation that you don't have to say a word to them and the reason why peter was addressing this is because obviously there was there were unequally yoked marriages i say i like to take this even to the husbands and i'm going to fan out from here so hold on even if you're not married or even if your marriage is good. I just want you to hear this word. What really stuck out to me, and it's so strong, that without the word, they may be won by the conversation of the wives. Conversation is the old King James word of how you live around them. And you know, there's so many, so many marriages out there that have unbelieving spouses and, or they have lukewarm spouses and there's so much friction and there's so much contention and especially for the born again believer, that spouse is always, always going to the unbeliever. They're always trying, always trying to make inroads, trying to be heard, trying to get that spouse to listen. But do you notice the more that you try to speak? to them, the harder their hearts get, the more they put their hand up and say, leave me alone. And see, there comes a point where you could you could talk to them 5 years, 10 years, 15, 20 years, your whole life. And yet for some reason, their heart just keeps getting harder and harder. They will not listen. But you know, I want to say this. You know, everything that Jesus does, everything God does, comes up to a full measure. There's a purpose in the time that you have taken to be verbal to your spouse in love and in patience and in kindness to try to reveal Christ to them. But you know, there comes a time. Or after so long a time. They're not hearing anything at all. And they're further away than they ever have been. This is just as much for you men as for women. This is for all married people. Though I know Peter is speaking to the wives. And being in subjection to their own husbands. The part I'm taking out is. That they may be may without the word be one. And I thought to myself. That's really actually a very deep thing to say, because we always want to utilize the living word, right? The entrance of thy word giveth light, it giveth uh, uh, power. It says, for the entrance of thy word giveth light, and I forgot the rest of it, but even just that much of an entrance giving light, you're hoping that they'll see. Now, there comes a point where we have to become quiet. Maybe it's you. Maybe you have, whether you're a man or a woman, and you've been trying so hard to get your wife or your husband to trust the Lord for themselves. Perhaps it's you. I think sometimes there comes a time where it's time to obey these words of Peter because we're told that without a word being spoken they may be one and there's something about that silence it's not the silent treatment it's not an acquiescence to failure or that you didn't per- do enough it's called the next phase. And I believe that has to be the most powerful phase. I believe it with all my heart. You know, it says in Matthew six, seven, it says, do not pray as the heathen do, but they think that they shall be heard by their much speaking. Don't be like them. For the Father knows what you have need of before you ask. You know, every prayer that you have ever prayed for your spouse is eternal in the heavens. It didn't evaporate somewhere. It wasn't taken to heaven by the Spirit of God and then put into some back room in heaven somewhere, filed away like some big library no we think about cornelius in acts chapter i believe is 10. it said that an angel appeared in his house and he said cornelius he said your prayers have been heard and your the memorial of your prayers that's how it says has come up your prayers have come up as a memorial before god and his alms." So he was praying and he was giving. See, his prayers came up as a memorial before God. Your prayers are no different than Cornelius's. And so there comes a point where the Lord wants you to stop. There comes a point where we have to say, look at Ecclesiastes 3.7 and say, it's a time to keep silence. And there's a time to keep silence and there's a time to speak. And sometimes after especially long-term marriages, there is a rut, there's a habit, there's a frustration, there's a, a constant edginess because the other person just will not come to the Lord. But you see, Jesus doesn't want you living like that anymore. No matter what kind of a person your spouse is, sometimes they're belligerent, sometimes they're mean, or they're just dead to it. Don't be afraid. It is the most powerful thing you can do is to be quiet. Live around them. Because I'll tell you something, they will sit up and they will take notice. I think the enemy doesn't want us to obey that word, that without the word, which is the gospel they may be one, because you see, being truly born again, everything you're doing, whatever it is, or speaking, you're, you're a letter, you're an epistle, they're reading, and they can't argue back with you, they can't, they can't do anything, because you're not saying anything anymore, it's the highest, highest peak of trust that you will be giving over to the Lord now I'm not talking for the rest of your life you're just going to clam up there's going to be times where you'll feel the impulse of the Holy Spirit to say something to them but go quickly back into that quietness you know in Proverbs 29 it says a fool utters all his mind but a wise man keeps it in until afterwards you know there is a point where we could, we take the word of God and we, we, whether again, man or woman, and we keep henpecking and we keep trying to force people to drink water that are not thirsty. We're trying to waterboard them with the word of God. We're trying to force feed a chunk of the living bread to people that are not hungry at all. You know, when Jesus says, when he was giving the directions to the disciples, he said, when you go into a town, and he was sending them two by two, which is interesting here, husband and wife, he sent them two by two. And he said, whenever you go there and you preach a gospel, they don't accept it. He said, just leave. Shake the dust off your feet for a testimony against them and go on. So, you know your life is a testimony, everything you're doing. And by the way, the presence of the Lord is with you. And every day, everywhere in the house that you're going, the presence of the Lord is with you. And that person that you've been praying for, that is antagonistic, that mocks you, that excoriates you eviscerates you or maybe there's ones that they're know it all they know all the scriptures but they use it to destroy and shred down the simple-hearted spouse because they use it as a weapon as a shield to block the love of God in their life and to truly come to him like a little child there's all different kinds you know Jesus didn't answer, Jesus isn't a perfect example, he didn't answer the religious rulers of his time, he didn't answer King Herod, he didn't answer Pontius Pilate, and we're talking about people, and yes, he did say some things when they asked him, but there were certain times it said he held his peace, let's take a look at that, it says in Mark 15 through, through 3, it says, and the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And I like how Luke fills in the blank in Luke 22, 67. They said to him, Art thou the Christ? Tell us. And he said unto them, If I tell you, you will not believe. And if I also ask you, you will not answer me, nor let me go. We see here what he said to Herod. It says that when Herod saw Jesus in Luke 23, 8 through 11, it says he was exceeding glad for he was desirous to see him for a long season because he had heard many things of him and he had hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned Jesus. He questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him and Herod with his men of war set him at not and mocked him and arrayed him with a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate, Because you see, there are times when antagonistic spouses will set you up to answer something and you'll answer it. But see, that's why Jesus didn't answer him anything. Jesus didn't say one word to Herod. Imagine if he did. All that mocking would have been worse. All of that came anyway. It didn't matter whether he said something or he didn't say anything. And Jesus, why say anything to them? him? He knew he'd never come to Christ. He'd never be saved. He wouldn't be open even though the Herodians were part Jewish, but he said nothing to him. And then finally with Pontius Pilate, it said, Pilate said to him, "Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word. And so much that the governor marveled greatly. See, that governor marveled greatly. I think Herod did too, and I believe the chief priests and the Pharisees did too. And you see, when you, when you take on that, that you step back in that silence, I call it a holy, sacred silence. Because you are not, see, you're stepping, it's not like, well, I'm gonna get out of God's way. What you're doing is you, you have fulfilled in, in a measurement all they need to hear, but they're rejecting it. Now, the second phase, which is the most powerful phase is you go on, you go on, you keep living where you're living. You keep being the good husband and wife, but you go on and you develop a peace with that silence. I know it. I've experienced it myself where I felt the Lord telling me or, or, or moving in me rather, peace be still, peace be still. He even said, be quiet to those raging winds, be quiet. See, there's a quietness that gets their attention and it's not even on purpose to get their attention it's that you have decided to let go and to lean into jesus christ in amos 5:13, it says therefore at such a time the prudent person keeps silent for it is an evil time See, there's a prudence to being quiet. It's also highly intelligent. Because when Jesus was silent with them, think about that power. Think about how he was surrounded by accusers and mockers and the spitters and the smiters. I mean, just just stop and think for a moment. He's in front of Herod. Herod Herod's asking him a ton of things in many words. Think of that conduct, that beauty of answering nothing. You see, Satan is always trying to draw us out, draw you out to an all-flesh battle. but God always fights our battles wins wars makes wars to cease from the ends of the earth he breaks the bow the spear he says if I even if I be lifted up will draw all men to myself which means women too, mankind and there is something so high of an altitude of that kind of silence, because when you decide, like Jesus, to answer to never a word, the people will marvel greatly. Because you see, they will sense that that silence is that quietness of God. It's not issuing out of you from your soul, but it is a determined, focused, looking to the Lord, a decision made in that quiet maturity, and then he gives you a quiet heart. I've experienced it, and you know what it is? It's a power. It's not just a human physical, my tongue isn't moving. I felt his power come in, that grace for grace. That when I was spoken to in a former marriage, he's he's, uh, gone home to be with the Lord, it was terrible, but there was this power that came in, and I was absolutely aware that it was a silence, not of myself. And it was beautiful and it was quiet. It was peaceful, even though I'd be screamed in my face and doors were slamming and I was being mocked. And with that silence, it was like a shield. And you know what else happened? Love came in. Love began to abound in me. And waters from the upper throne in glory began to issue out from under that altar, that prayer altar, that golden altar to me. And I partook of that peace that gave me so much grace where it didn't faze me anymore. And it was a strange kind of peace. But it didn't just come, like I said, with, um, well, I have this feeling of peace. You never stop marveling at it. See, it says that Pontius Pilate marveled greatly. But when that peace, that power, that Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, he comes in with that quiet presence. And he takes over and he gives you rest from that battle. And you know what he does? He pours water upon you because you're thirsty. And in that quietness, that quietness, which is Christ, it says, for he is quiet in his presence. In Zephaniah chapter three, I believe it's verse nine. Now Now you are dwelling richly in the presence of the Lord. Will Satan countermand? Yes. He'll stir things up. But do you know what I found out? That when the devil stirred up, that former spouse of mine, God increased. A supernatural peace. A supernatural quietness, rather. And there was an outflow from that quietness that I could walk through like Jesus walked through the crowd when they tried to throw him off a cliff is that he walked by them. And that is what he did for me. Stop trying to convince your spouse. It's a time to be quiet. I say to you, cast your cares upon him. It says that, that's what it says in the word. For he careth for you. But you know what I want to say to you? Cast your whole self on him. All that you are. And be quiet. It says the words of the wise are heard and quiet. More than the shouts of a king. Though he be a fool. David knew about that. He said, Lord, my heart is not haughty nor mine eyes lofty neither do i exercise myself in great matters nor in things that are too high for me surely i have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother my soul is even as a weaned child you know satan traffics in souls and so when you're always trying to convince that spouse you don't realize it but you have a spirit of anger and you know it says he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he that ruleth his spirit is better than he that taketh a city You see the root of anger is is hurt pain And so when you're easily angered at your spouse because they won't listen to you or they won't pray with you or they won't even let you say anything that's when anger starts that's when anger leaps up it's a poison get rid of anger and get rid of it now go to the Lord and get rid of it Jesus doesn't want you to be angry anymore Jesus wants you to let go he wants you to be quiet I think of the words in Isaiah I don't have the scripture in front of me but it's coming to my mind and it has to do with The Millennial Kingdom in Isaiah, where it says, "For the ships," it talks about the beauty of the new land, and it talks about there there be ships that go by, gallant ships, vessels. But you know what? There's no there's no way a gallant ship can go through Jerusalem. That's what it says. With big oars, ships with oars. But I believe what God was saying in that to the Jews is those ships, those great ships with oars, he said, will pass no more through you. Meaning your enemies will no longer be a threat to you. You see, you're on a mission. Many of us, we don't realize it. And one day I said to myself, Joni, you're on a mission. Now be a good missionary. And in those, and being a missionary, because I'm, not, I, I've, all, I've never gone on the mission field, but all my studies through all my life have been that of missionaries because they live so close to God. They are hanging on Him for every word, for every move, for every touch. And I say, Lord, I could be a missionary in my own home. And that's a hard life. But if your life is already hard, then consider yourself his missionary. You know what I said to him one day when I realized that? I said, Lord, I am your missionary. Now I get, ask you to give me everything. I said, I ask you to give me everything that I need as your missionary. So that, Lord, I could do always those things that please you. And that person I was married to, I hate to put it like that, that person, the former husband, before he passed away, that very hard man received Christ beautifully. And all, and there was a time before that where I stopped saying anything to him anymore because Jesus told me to stop. It's kind of hard for me to talk about this. I really don't like to ever bring it up because it's very painful for me. So I can only tell you little bits of it. But I remember there was a day where I was laying in bed and I thought, here I go again, I'm gonna pray again. This was 22 years into it. But I heard him say to me, speak unto her and tell her. That her warfare is accomplished. And I never forgot that day. It was so quiet in my room. Then I knew the Lord told me, I'm taking over. And He did. And that man is in glory today. It's just time to be quiet. And when you're quiet like that, you start to hear better. You start to feel peace, no matter what's going on. Remember, it's a power. Not just a, I'm closing, shutting the phone off. And, uh, the TV's not going to go on. That has nothing to do with it at all. Because you could walk through a war and that peace and that quietness that Jesus walked in. That's why he was able to say to those people, nothing at all. And the very little words that he did say were what his father wanted him to know. So remember, in your quietness, you're going to be able to hear Jesus very clearly and be open to the times. To say only what he tells you to say to your spouse. And let me just say this. Let this word be to everybody. Whom you love. Maybe you work with them. You live next door to them. Maybe it's your children. Your adult children. And they're living like hell. Don't look at them. Keep looking to him. And be quiet, they'll take notice and marvel greatly. They'll be like, "What's wrong? She's not saying anything to us. He's not saying anything to us. It's that holy, sacred quietness. Finally, it says, "I skip down in first Peter, verse four it says, "But let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit." which is in the sight of God of great price. That's the most powerful thing you will ever do is do nothing and keep a quiet heart in the hidden man of your heart and watch what Christ will do. And I think this little, quote I read yesterday. It says the eagle that soars in the upper atmosphere of the skies does not worry how he's going to cross a river. Amen.